My name is Oliver Kinner. And I'm Ian McAllister, and this is Brainwaves episode 131, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 16th of October, 2023. Evil Genius sues Evil Streamer. Essen wants you to smile, smile, smile. And Backkit tells AI to back off. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. We start this week's episode with the Evil Genius Games suing Netflix. Evil Genius Games are the publishers of several RPGs, including some based on film licenses like Pacific Rim and Highlander. On the 20th of September 2023, the company announced that they were suing streaming service Netflix over the termination of a contract to create a tabletop role-playing game based on the upcoming Zack Snyder film Rebel Moon. Snyder had revealed the existence of the RPG back in a podcast in March of 2023. Evil Genius say that the official agreement to make the game was signed with Netflix just before this announcement. The game was to be released around the time of the film's December the 22nd release date on Netflix. Evil Genius claim they created a 228-page world bible based off the details they had been given about the film, vastly expanding on the universe. According to Evil Genius, Snyder and Netflix executives were so enamoured with the 228-page world bible that substantial elements of it would find their way into the franchise, including the film. The game was finished in May of 2023, and some images of the covers of the game were shown off at Gamma Trade Show in April. It was then when all the trouble started. Netflix alleged a breach of contract, saying that revealing the covers had been against the confidentiality provisions in the contract. John Fowler, a lawyer for Evil Genius Games, said this. Netflix then used this as pretext to terminate the agreement, assert ownership over plaintiff's intellectual property, halt the project and prevent the game from being released, or potentially release it themselves to avoid sharing the profits with plaintiff. Netflix accusations are baseless. The deal was terminated on May the 25th. A month later, Netflix claimed exclusive ownership of the World Bible and offered Evil Genius Games $50,000 to placate them. Evil Genius Games say the reveals of the cover were agreed by both sides and that Netflix employees had also distributed the images to retailers. The lawsuit states, Netflix cannot credibly claim that plaintiff materially breached the agreement's confidentiality provisions since, amongst other things, A. Mr. Snyder had already publicized the existence of the Rebel Moon TTRPG in his March 19th, 2023 podcast appearance. B. The very same artwork at issue had already been distributed by Netflix employees at Gamma on April 24th, 27th, 2023 to over 100 retailers. C. The artwork was little more than a pitch material recycled for Gamma. And D. Various Rebel Moon wordmarks and logos were already widely available on the internet. Netflix even instructed Evil Genius to use these materials rather than delivering official licensed property to Evil Genius per Schedule A of the agreement. David Scott, CEO of Evil Genius Games, said this about the decision to file a lawsuit. Our aim is to ensure our team is recognized for their fantastic work and that we can release this game for millions of TTRPG enthusiasts to enjoy. It's disheartening to see Netflix backpedal on content that was jointly showcased and had received their prior consent. We urge our supporters to contact Netflix and Zack Snyder to push for the release of this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what to make of this. It's obviously been 10 years that Netflix are claiming there was a breach of contract or confidentiality, which breached contract and all that, and, and based mm. it around that. So that's probably more of a legal thing. Um, I don't know why they would have pulled it. Is it 
have they just suddenly realized that it's not worth releasing? How they're, you know, how the type of money, what's going on? It's just, yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, the only thing I can think of is they think that the World Bible that Evil Genius Games claimed to put together, like sort of expanded the universe, was so good that Netflix just want it for expanding all all those films and like probably TV series and whatever else they're planning for the Rebel Moon expanded universe or whatever they're planning. Hmm. And maybe that like that $50,000 is like that's cheap at twice the price, you know, kind of thing. I, hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't see Netflix wanting to like get into RPG publishing. No. Like, no. <laughs> like, like releasing that RPG as popular as it might be because it's like a Zack Snyder tie in property is going to be like I don't know what minuscule amount of Netflix's annual t- turnover, but like zero point zero zero one of a percent or something. It'll be tiny. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. We'll bring you more as we hear it, folks. Uh, as this uh, case actually comes to court in California at some point. Definitely. And recently, there was one big convention somewhere in Germany, Ian. So maybe that's some news. Yes, in the run-up to Essen, the biggest board games convention in the world, it was revealed that the convention had used AI to generate some of the images in its promotional material. First revealed by site BoardGameWire, the images were used all over the site and on the website and programs for the event. BoardGameWire had an interview with a representative for Mertz Verlag, the company that runs Essen Spiel. BoardGameWire start by asking the rep, what is Mertz Verlag Spiel's official position on using AI art in its marketing materials, etc.? Is there an official policy, or are there discussions ongoing to create one? The representative replies, As with every technology, there's an ongoing process of evaluation and assessment. Society and laws always need to adapt when something new emerges and brings changes. And we are also in an ongoing process to see how to best approach the topic in general. We experiment with AI to comprehend its benefits, but also its limits. The protection of artists' rights has priority for us. Bourguignoir went on to ask, One issue that keeps being raised about AI-generated art is about the lack of consent from artists the software is trained on. Essentially, artists are having their work copied by an AI in order to create new art without any compensation, and are also concerned the AI art created will end up being used instead of traditional artists being hired. What's Mertz Verlag's take on this as an AI-generated art user? The representative replies, We believe that original art brings the personality of the artist into each motive. That is one of the reasons we wanted our mascot to be created by an artist we like very much. And of course, we paid him for the rights to use Meeps and his creativity. We are also aware of issues regarding copyright of AI-created content, making art created by an artist even more valuable, and will make this work stay important. Meeps that is referred to there was a sort of cat that had been commissioned by another artist earlier in the year that Essen had revealed for this year's event. The interview wraps up shortly after with the rep saying that Essen Spiel is not committed either way to the inclusion of AI art in marketing for next year's convention. Naturally, the inclusion of this AI art has led to much condemnation across the tabletop community. Essen had said at the time they will not comment further on the controversy till after the convention has taken place, and at this time we're not aware of them having commented further. Essen also announced the numbers for this year's show shortly after the end of the event. They had over 193,000 attendees from 85 countries and 935 exhibitors from 56 nations. So this is a great scoop from Board Game Wire here. Uh, thanks for doing the legwork over there, folks. The whole thing seems sort of baffling to me. I mean, the art produced is not great. Like, uh, we'll yeah. put links to it in the show notes. Awful. It looks like people are being forced to play board games in a weird dungeon, and bad things will happen to them if they don't laugh a lot. 
it's that kind of weird uncanny valley thing with people holding pens in strange ways and six-fingered children it's it's kind of sort of nightmarish david lynchy kind of stuff going on it's very very weird uh, it is it, it is like a horror film isn't it? yeah it really is with, with bright colors though so it's a very weird horror, horror film and as we said that that mascot meeps was already created and was yeah, yeah it's really strange isn't it? ready to be used so michael yeah. mental has done a great job there illustrating it and, and bringing that character to life and then suddenly it disappears i think it was like on one poster somewhere or something and that that was it that's bizarre yeah, it's very strange. I mean, I think some people weren't a great fan of the mascot, but at least it was, you know, drawn by an actual artist, hmm. not, and not like a bot. Uh, talking bre- talk, since we're talking about AI, we didn't, we didn't think this was a full story to cover, but we do know that there was at least one game exhibiting at Essen where a large majority of the art assets were AI generated. Thanks very much to Scott from Minerva Games for bringing this one to our attention. The game is called Path of Civilization, and we'll link to discussion thread on BGG that is sort of disturbing in how many folks are defending it. Some art from the game was released on a social media, which included a card showing the US military installation, the Pentagon, or as the card had it, the Pentagon, G-O-N-E, on a card for the, no for the game. <laughs> yeah, good job. Yeah. Good job there, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're going to see AI happening more and more and appearing in more and more places, absolutely. And, and as we said before, in, in other episodes, there's all um yeah, court cases going through various uh, yeah. courts in various countries and whatever. So the the you know the law is still catching up, and and copyright law has to probably be updated. So we have to see what the legality of this is at the moment. Yeah. So it's a gray area, but definitely ethically speaking, and, and it's just a human being. It's it's just atrocious that a big exhibition like Essen has to revert to some sort of AI art to make this all work rather than use some of the funds for actual you know artists to produce something really useful if they yeah. really didn't like meeps there was that negative feedback then fair enough but then invest in it and i suppose i don't know whether i'm speculating a bit too much but obviously the ownership or the management of sns changed as well this year so maybe the new management just thought out with the old in with modern technology i, I don't know what the yeah. justification is but it's just yeah certainly the wrong decision uh, had lots of backlash, as far as I can tell, certainly amongst the German Twitter community. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll have to see what they tell us why they decided to do this afterwards. Um, you know, or if they just let it lie and yeah, hold on anymore. Hope it, I, hope I it goes that's away. More likely, yeah, I think that's more likely, unfortunately. But while we're talking about AI, Oliver. Yes, there's more news from Backerkit about AI. Sticking with the subject, Kickstarter rival Backerkit has come out with a strong statement on the use of AI-generated content on future projects funded on the platform. They start that statement like this. At Backerkit, our team is passionate about people's passions. For 10 years, we've supported creators in their journey to launch projects and build thriving creative practices and businesses. We've developed deep relationships and respect for the people who breathe life into crowdfunding projects, and we are committed to defending their well-being on our platform. They go on to declare the new policy will come into effect from the 4th of October. So time of recording obviously is active now. Becker could say they share the concerns of creators around generative AI models like Midjourney and ChatGBT that use artists and writers' content to train the AI. And just to clarify, all of these systems do that without uh, asking the artists for um, inclusion in the first place. So there's no opt-in. It's Some systems, I think, have like an opt-out after the event, but there's no opt-in. So to this end, Backerkit says that 
All content and assets must first be created by humans. They say this does not affect the use of AI tools that exist within programs that use generative content fill and other elements like that. It will restrict the creation of software on Backerkit that would use AI to generate content. Backerkit say they will suspend projects that they find are using only AI-generated content or that at least lack the minimum required amount of human input. They also provide links to places where you can find artists for your project. Now, Backerkit finishes their statement by saying this. As AI generation tools evolve, so will the discussion surrounding them and their permissible use. Backerkit puts its creators first, and we will continue to gather feedback and refine our policy and processes in order to help foster a supportive community of creators, artists, and backers. Yeah, I mean, when I saw this statement, I thought this this is something really well-worded, really thought through. They're not ruling out AI completely. You know, it's not the, the big bad technology, but they're ruling out these systems that, you know, clearly in their view, break copyright or at least are unethical. Uh, they're putting the focus on human artists or, or humans generally, and that, that's great to see. And and then we know about things like Photoshop and stuff that has little things in there that, that you know, are actually useful tools for artists, but not the systems that allow anyone to create some weird uh, promotional material for their exhibition. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a really good statement from Becca Kid, and I, I was hoping that other places, other crowdfunding platforms maybe would have put something out similar. And we said before that obviously trying to police this may not always be easy, but the statement is clear and that's really important. Yeah, and it's going to get harder, but just the statement, the the position they're at is really good and I fully support what they were saying there. Indeed. Now on to the updates. Just the one update for you this time, folks. We've reported a couple of times on the troubles that Mythic Games publishers of Darkest Dungeon have found themselves in. Last time we covered them in episode 121, they were asking for more money for the Siege 6 Kickstarter while fighting off rumours of bankruptcy, which they strenuously denied. They had also asked for extra money from the backers of the Darkest Dungeon Kickstarter for the Wave 1 of expansions that were coming out. They had effectively said that if you didn't cough up anything extra, you wouldn't get your gains. At the time, they said this was the last contribution they would ask for. Well, now Mythic asked the Darkest Dungeon backers for yet more money for the Wave 2 expansions coming out. In their latest update to the Kickstarter campaign, they say this is necessary due to the continued high prices of manufacturing and shipping. Again, they tell customers that if they don't pay, they won't get their products. They also heavily imply that the backers won't be able to get these products later due to this being a one-off print run. Within that update, they also say they have laid off staff to try and make ends meet. Now, we've reported on Mythic a couple of times, and to me, they feel like a company that are on the edge of bankruptcy. Siege 6 Kickstarter still hasn't been delivered. The Monster Apocalypse Kickstarter from way back hasn't been delivered. There was another one I discovered recently that I've completely forgotten the name of. Um, Patrick, a leader from Leader Games, sort of drew our attention to this story originally. Uh, and he uh, and in that thread, there was like, uh, by the way, this Kickstarter hasn't been delivered either. So that's a three plus the Darkest Dungeon waves as well. And yeah, they're a company that keeps going back to, well, keeps asking backers for more money. They're way beyond the point where they're using like funds from our Kickstarter to like fund the last one and actually get things printed. Stop giving them your money. Like just cut your losses yeah. at this point, folks. I know it's disappointing. I know you won't get your games, but I, I can't see this ending well. Mythic feel like a company that are on the verge of going bust. Yeah, I, th- I think so. 
definitely cut your losses if you are a backer. And there are better ways of dealing with, with this, as we'll see in the news later on. Indeed. Now, let's go on to the news and another German game prize. Yes. Now, we're probably, hopefully now, all familiar with the Spiel des Jahres, the annual German Games Award given out by a panel of German game critics. What you might not be so familiar with is the Deutsche Spielepreis, which is voted for by the German board game community. The prize is awarded at Essen Spiel every year, which, as we know, is the largest board game convention in the world, and we've just heard about them. The way Essen Spiel describes the Deutsche Spielpreis is that it is an award by gamers, for gamers, and the largest community award in Germany. There are two categories, family and adult games, as well as children's games. The entire German-speaking games community chooses their most popular games from the multitude of titles published in one year's issues, one of which wins the DSP, the Deutsche Spielepreis, and the other one, the DSP Best Children's Game. And as we just said, the award is then presented at Spielessen. This year's winner was Planet Unknown, designed by Ryan Lambert and Adam Rehberg, art by Yoma and published by Adam's Apple Games. Second place was Dorfromantik and third place was Heat. So, yeah, congratulations. Nice to see Planet Unknown being nominated, not not just nominated, but winning the uh, prize as well. Uh, Good Mm -hmm. game. I quite enjoyed it. And, of course, I think we mentioned that before, you know, there's obviously overlaps with the Spiel des Jahres awards and nominations in the Deutsche Spielers Prize, which is probably a good reflection that the Spiel des Jahres probably chooses games that are popular amongst the German-speaking community. And the Deutsche Spieler Prize is awarded by, or selected by, the German-speaking community. So there's no surprise that there's but a bit of an overlap there. But yeah, good yeah. to see you. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations, folks. Now, as we alluded to earlier, there are better ways to sort of fold your company than just asking more money from backers over and over again. Thanks very much to Gavin Jones from our Discord for bringing this story to our attention. Now, Board Game Hub are the publishers of Tranquility and had a Kickstarter on the go for a standalone sequel called Tranquility The Ascent. In a recent update to that Kickstarter, Peter Hazelwood, founder of Board Game Hub, announced that the company was no longer viable and that Tranquility The Ascent would not be reaching backers. From that post... There is no sugarcoating this message, and this update won't be an adequate apology. But this is the final update for Tranquility, The Ascent. I'm so sorry that I've failed you. Board Game Hub is in the process of shutting down as it is no longer a viable business. I'm unable to deliver the games that you showed such faith and excitement in. Running Board Game Hub has been six years of turbulence, featuring some wonderful highs and, unfortunately, Horrible lows. I've done my best to make the business work. We nearly folded during the pandemic. But I desperately wanted BGH to succeed and to share brilliant games with you. It is now clear that there's no way forward as a company, nor for me running a business. There will be anger and disappointment that that is understandable. This is entirely on me. James and Tristam did everything that was required of them and more besides. I should also apologize to them for any anguish and or difficulties caused by this failure. Sorry to you both. I fear there's nothing left to say except to apologize once more that I wasn't able to make good the faith that you showed me and Board Game Hub. I never wanted to finish like this. 
It's very sad when companies go under like this, uh, but I kind of admire the honesty with which Peter is telling people like we've reached an endpoint and we can't go any further. They're not trying to ask for more money. They're not trying to ask for like people to like help them out and dig them out of the hole. They're just they're just wrapping it up. This serves as our regular uh, Kickstarter feature reminder that Kickstarter is not a store. Kickstarter might want you to think that, but it is not a store, and you are basically gambling your money on Kickstarter projects reaching you, as we've seen with Mythic and various other companies we reported on over the years. That sometimes those gambles do not come off, and you might be asked for more money down the line, or just might not get your product. So yeah. be careful with what you're backing. And I'm actually one of the backers of Tranquility of the Sensor. I won't see this game. I won't see my money back. And it is what it is, as we said. It's, it happens yeah. with Kickstarters. It's not a shop. It's not a pre-order place. In some cases, yeah. maybe, maybe the company has stuff ready and ready to be shipped out. But in most cases, that's not the case. So don't rely on that. And even Kickstarter, there's no guarantee if you read the terms and conditions. No. And if you now think credit card companies might give you money back, well, give it a go. But I doubt it again. That probably point you to the Kickstarter the Kickstarter terms and conditions. And there's almost yeah. never any point in pursuing any kind of legal recourse either, because by the time these companies are getting into this amount of trouble, there is no money to be had. Generally, it's generally it's not fraud. With all the one from all the ones we've looked into over the years, it's generally just people getting out of their debts. It's not fraud. It's like incompetence and mistakes and things like that happening. Yeah, there's there's been the occasional couple that we've reported on that are actual fraud, but for the most part, it's just people getting way out of their depth. Yeah, some good news from the from uh, America, Oliver. Yes, uh, thanks to Corey from our Discord for bringing this story to our attention and for Board Game Wire for reporting on the story. This year has seen all sorts of unit action across the world, but especially stateside, as we've reported on previously. As we said, most recently, writers in America won concessions from the big studios. We've seen these efforts spread to the world of tabletop gaming over the last year, and the latest union to try and form is across several locations owned by Hex & Co, a board game cafe based in Manhattan. The union is demanding a $22.50 per hour living wage, a transparent path to promotions, and adequate staffing to meet the workload at the various locations. The organizers of the union say the owners of the business have refused to voluntarily acknowledge the union, which is set to include up to 70 employees. They say that the owners are holding captive audience meetings and working to remove members from the proposed Hex & Co bargaining unit, including managers of the after-school program. Now, I don't know much about sort of the culture of unions in the States and all that, but it is always a bit surprising that companies fight unions quite so hard. Ultimately, they're, they're usually... Workers. Yeah, no, of course, but ultimately unions seem to get through and... It, it doesn't look to me that they're asking for really uh, extreme conditions or you know it's a good you know extreme demands that it just seems to be all reasonable stuff as far as i can see so i just say come on you know if the union forms let them form yeah it, certainly, certainly the trend is the, the yeah. trend has been for unions to successfully form in, in yeah. the few stories we've reported on over the last couple of years it just it's just going to you know affect negatively on your business because these this news comes out and People might, as I say, not see Hex & Co as a very good company and hence not want to go to the cafes. I don't know, but it just, yeah, yeah I, I really don't understand this. Um, it's not like that, as I say, asking for lots of money and stuff. But yeah, it, it probably is all about profit at the end of the day. Absolutely. That's how the world works, unfortunately. Speaking of 
profit, Ian? <laughs> yeah, thanks very much to former co-host Ian Shantler for bringing this next story to our attention. Now, we've reported many times on the controversial stances that the company previously known as the Gaming Goat have taken over the years, and that of the former owner, Jeff Bergen. In episode 129, we reported that the Gaming Goat had changed hands and names to become Night and Day Games. It seems the new company is already running into some issues due to the nature of that sale. A thread on board games subreddit detailed issues folk were having with pre-orders for games that were placed under the previous owners. Will from Night and Day Games responded to that post saying this. Beginning on June 6th of this year, the gaming good began an asset sale to the new entity with entirely new owners who had no affiliation beforehand. During the process, the topic of pre-order deposits was brought up, but never transferred over in the asset sale of the Gaming Goat. We fulfilled over 600 orders from before June 6th, as it's all a case-by-case basis, as well as helped out another 450-plus orders with our proposed solution. So basically what's happened here is that the new owners did not buy the pre-order commitments of the Gaming Goat, and are effectively under no legal obligation to fulfill those orders. It does sound like they are trying to, so if you have got pre-orders with the Gaming Goat, then it's worth getting in touch with them to see if something can be resolved. But this happens sometimes with sales. Um, yeah. Not necessarily the new owner's fault. They're going, to, they're going to only be able to buy what they can buy. Um, but not a great start for the new company, obviously, according to that kind of controversy. But it sounds like some people are getting sorted out, so... Um, at least, at least they're trying, I guess. To me, it sounds like the usual thing. They obviously bought the name, they bought some of the stock, they bought, you know, the, yeah. the, the shops and things or whatever. But they obviously tried not to buy all the liabilities at the same time. And why would you? I get that. But it sounds like they're trying to sort it out and don't know how much they can achieve. The other thing I didn't realize is that they've now rebranded as Night and Day. Is that the reason? Yeah, which is That's a bit on the nose for a name, if you ask right. me. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, so, oh, hmm. really? But yeah, I didn't didn't realize that that happened. And I suggest that before they probably should rebrand, and now they have. So there we go. <laughs> Indeed. Now, moving on to another story about brands and, yeah, relationships and things. At the start of September, Wizards of the Coast announced that Penguin Random House LLC would be seizing distribution of Dungeons & Dragons titles. Wizards uses a host of distributors to get their products into hobby stores worldwide, but Penguin is a general bookseller distributor. They're the folk that get games into stores like Barnes & Noble. This move was confirmed in an email out to retailers from Penguin. It stated, Effective December 31st, 2023, Penguin Random House LLC will cease distributing titles for Wizards of the Coast LLC. Depending on the product, please ensure that the vendor of record for Wizards of the Coast LLC tiles is changed to one of their new distributors listed here, with a link to the distributor list on the Wizards Premier Network. Wizards said this to ICV2 when asked about the news. Penguin Random House is a valued partner and publishing licensee of Wizards of the Coast. While we deeply appreciate the excellent service provided over the years by PRHPS, we are now shifting our distribution strategy to utilize the capabilities of Hasbro to sell and distribute D&D products to retailers, and we will continue to partner with Penguin Random House on licensed D&D tiles like the recently released Lore and Legends and the upcoming Heroes Feast Flavors of the Multiverse. This change in distribution of Wizards D&D role-playing game publications such as rulebooks and adventure content won't affect fans as they will continue to find Dungeons & Dragons products at their preferred retailers. Checking the distributor list provided by Wizards, the main distributor in the UK will continue to be Asmodee. 
So, is this Wizards wanting a bigger piece of the D&D pie? Yes. Um, okay. Oh, you, you, it sounds like you know more about this. <laughs> I mean, they're, it's, they're cutting out another middleman, basically. Um, they're distributing directly through Hasbro, by the sounds of it, and, and Asmodee, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's basically was drawn in a little bit, maybe a little bit more control of where product goes. Maybe they haven't been happy with all the stores that product gone into. I don't know. But yeah, they'll they'll definitely get a not like a crazy larger piece of the pie, but a bigger piece. And maybe this is in the run up to the new edition coming out next year. I'll have a bit more control where things go. Yeah, and I guess they're trying to cut costs wherever, didn't they? So trying to increase the profits and things generally. So yep. yeah, maybe that's part of this. Now we've got some exciting award news, and I'm very excited about this one, Ian. Indeed. So now we don't usually report on new releases, but the Zenobia Award is a favorite of ours and we wanted to show its value. Now, for those not familiar with it, the Zenobia Awards uh, sort of is about sort of historical wargaming and it's, uh, the idea behind it is to get people into designing wargames who wouldn't normally and about subjects that would normally be shown off. Now, one of the games that got to the finalist stage last year was Molly House. This was a game that saw you playing gender-defying queers in the early 18th century. Molly Houses were where this community met in secret, and you are tasked with arranging events and creating joy in the face of repression and persecution. The game has been picked up by Whirligig Games, the publishers of Pax Premier and John Company. Uh, Zenobia Award 2 has just finished taking submissions. As you listen to this, uh, well, uh, they finished taking submissions tomorrow on the 14th. We're recording on the 13th of October. And we'll bring you updates on that as designs are whittled down to finalists and winners. Best of luck to everyone and best of luck to Molly House when it actually comes out. We're looking forward to playing that one. Yeah, I, I saw that when it was uh, you know, part of the awards originally. And when I saw the announcement, I don't know how far back now, that Whirligig would pick this up. I thought, yeah, good. And yeah, I'm excited about this game. I, I have to get a copy whenever it gets ready. I've, I started reading some of the designer diaries and stuff. It's exciting stuff. And yeah, great awards. So follow this along. If you're designing yourself, yeah, you can't end anymore by the time you listen to this. But maybe next time. And if you're not a designer or if you just want to look at their games, there's lots of interesting stuff usually there. There certainly yeah. was previously. And chances are that you see a topic, a historic topic that will interest you and you want to find out more and you maybe can do by buying that game when it's when it does get published or if it gets published and support it that way yeah absolutely now we'll just take a moment to look at some jobs opportunities events across the tabletop gaming world we'll always be reminding you about the facebook group tabletop jobs that's got lots of jobs across the world mainly us but there's been some uk and european jobs advertised there recently but one of the big things that got announced recently was the rose gauntlet foundation oliver yes rose gauntlet entertainment publishers of keystone north america amongst other titles has announced a new initiative the rose gauntlet foundation posted this about its origin and aim the rose gauntlet foundation was founded with the desire to meet and support more underrepresented individuals like us in the tabletop gaming industry its origins began when Isaac Vega reached out to other LGBTQ plus individuals working in the industry in 2017 to meet over dinner. The event was started with just a small group of four, but quickly grew each year, eventually earning its name Big Gay Dinner. When Lindsay and Isaac started Rose Gauntlet, they wanted a way to continue this tradition and expand it to others who did not have the means or connections to meet others who were trying to form bonds in this industry with other underrepresented groups. In 2022, Rose Gauntlet expanded its efforts by hosting the BIPOC Lounge at Gen Con, widening the scope of our mission. 
With its success, we found ourselves now being reached out to by many other conventions and companies looking to support our efforts. To better handle the growing desire for more events and spaces to be created across the industry, we decided to start a non-profit. Now in 2023, after much research and organization, we've officially started the Rose Gauntlet Foundation, a home for those events that are helping underrepresented groups within the tabletop games industry find community, resources, and opportunities to grow and feel welcome. The three programs the Foundation is funding are as follows. Game Changers. This program focuses on providing women in games with resources and networking opportunities within the tabletop games industry. Their first Game Changers took place during Origins in 2023 to great success and with over 30 women in attendance. Uh, BIPOC Lounge. In 2022, they hosted a deluxe and welcoming safe space at Gen Con, the largest gaming convention in the United States, where BIPOC tabletop industry professionals and gamers can commune, share information and access resources during the course of the four-day event. Because of its success, Rose Gauntlet have been invited back by Gen Con to host in 2023, and they're excited to keep it as a long-standing tradition. As I mentioned just now, the Big Gay Dinner. This event caters to the LGBTQIA community, providing similar resources and safe spaces during PAX Unplugged. In 2022, they had over 60 LGBT plus professionals in attendance, and they look forward to seeing this event grow even more in 2023. They go on to say that these programs are made possible by funding from tabletop companies and individuals. If you would like to donate to the foundation, There'll be links uh, to all of this in our show notes, as usual. And Rose Gauntlet has been a publisher when it came out. Uh, I have been watching quite closely. Isaac and Lindsay, who launched this uh, publisher, obviously, I think, well-known names in the industry, I would argue. Mm, for sure. And now taking this sort of concept further and supporting smaller groups and and yeah uh, underrepresented groups uh, is is great to see so the rose gauntlet foundation is a great thing to see happening so yeah fully supporting this and really exciting to see it seems to be going from strength to strength yeah great to see a couple of uh, little things from the uk side of things publisher Molsonian arts council posted on twitter recently that they are offering advice on getting your rpg published now we don't have any further details we did ask them to get in touch with us to sort of be a bit more specific about what they were looking for uh, but we'll link to the Twitter post and you can get in touch with them if you've got an RPG product bubbling away in your brain and there's a board game event coming up at the British Library some of the folk from the UK Games Expo are running an event at the British Library on December the 9th starting at 10.30 and going till 4.30 it's a free event but registration is requested and I'll be a chance to try a bunch of games and on the same day are talks about fancy worlds from the likes of Adrian Tchaikovsky, one of my favorite, current favorite authors, uh, author of the Children of Time series, amongst others as well. So yeah, go and check this out. Exciting. Well, check out these as well, our Patreon supporters, Kevin Bertram of Ford Circle Games, James Naylor of Naylor Games, and Sean Newman of Gamealot. They are great supporters, and if you want to become one yourself, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash thegiantbrain. There's various other ways of supporting us. Go to giantbrain.co.uk slash support hyphen us hyphen new, or get some metallic dice games. They're not called metallic dice games. on called fan roll these days. I'll put, there you I'll go, put fan the, roll. I'll put the correct link in the show notes. <laughs> but the promo code is still roll with brains, so check those out and of course if you want a great t-shirt and whatever apparel go to sir meeple all the links are obviously on the show notes now 
There's something else to investigate here, though, Ian, isn't there? Yes, Jamie's not around, so we're going for a different game at the end of the show. We have previously reported on moves by Path Entertainment Group to bring a life-sized monopoly to London. Now, that was immensely successful, and the group has now expanded its relationship with Hasbro to make a life-sized version of Cluedo. David Hutchison, CEO of the Path Entertainment Group, said this. Monopoly life-sized has enjoyed two very successful years in London already, showcasing the power of the brand with the creative thinking of Path Entertainment and has gone on to be successfully sub-licensed in the KSA, as we continue to roll out the experience internationally. From the start of our relationship with Hasbro, we've always felt Cluedo was a natural IP for us to explore. It's innately theatrical, and combined with its nostalgic family-favorite mystery origins. It's a perfect brand for our team to play with and create a new thrilling, location-based entertainment concept. We're very excited to bring this to life in an ambitious, new life-sized concept. The press release reveals that PATH have launched Monopoly Life-Size in Saudi Arabia and are looking to see their experiences be recreated in other countries. I mean, it'd be a great murder mystery TV show, wouldn't it? Yeah. Someone gets murdered at a life-size Cluedo game. But did they get murdered? And what with? And in which room? And was yeah. it going on mustard? But anyway. <laughs> yeah, there you go. More weirdness in London. So yeah, I mean, apparently the life-size Monopoly's done very well. So yeah, I I can see Hasbro wanting a, a bit more of that sort of like escape ruby, that kind of sort of experience. Like, yeah, um, of course. Yeah. Kind of pie. Yeah. Anyway, folks, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rain on your podcast host of choice. You can also follow Oliver at tabletopgamesblog.com. Uh, you, you're welcome to uh, the Giant Brain Discord and Oliver's Discord as well. We'll put links to those in the show notes. Uh, uh, we are still on Twitter, sort of, kind of. Uh, I am mostly on Blue Sky these days, and I think Oliver's sort of the same. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We'll put links to all this in the show notes. Uh, our main website is thegiantbrain.co.uk, and you can email us about any stories you'd like to cover. And if you'd like to talk to us anonymously, we will absolutely keep you anonymous. Yeah, it's giantbrainuk at gmail.com. We'll be back to our regular schedule. I know it's been about a month since we last had a cast out, so but we'll be back to our two-week schedule. Uh, so we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. See you then. Bye for now. Thanks, bye.